This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 12.03. Great to have you with us for the Thursday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Teenagers are apparently heading back to shopping malls. Holiday gas prices. What can we expect? There's going to be a lot of people on the roads this weekend. The requirements for job openings are easing as employers struggle to find workers. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, President Biden set to release his budget proposal tomorrow. Numbers on jobless claims, home sales, the GDP out today. Carl Riccadonna is joining us, chief U.S. economist at Bloomberg, based in New York. Let's begin with this budget, Carl. Obviously, we don't have the president's budget yet, but what are you hearing? What are we expecting it to include? Well, we're expecting uh, federal ju- uh, spending to jump to about uh, $6 trillion in the uh, fiscal year. Uh, which means that uh, we'll be looking at annual deficits of, in the vicinity of about $1.3 trillion, uh each year over the uh, next decade. So, uh, you know, this is a, a much larger role of the uh, federal government, but we should keep in mind uh, these budgets uh, tend to be uh, administration wish lists and uh, what they wish for and what's uh, feasible in reality uh, often are two very different uh, uh, outcomes. Uh, nonetheless, this does uh, show at least the direction and priorities of the administration. Well, a lot of it is dependent, of course, on how the country is doing economically. We have first quarter GDP out. What are we, uh, what are we hearing there? Well, what we see is the economy grew at about a 6.5% pace in the uh, first quarter. Uh, Now, much of the economy was locked down, especially early in the first quarter. Uh, So we're seeing this uh, dramatic acceleration uh, due to the reopening, vaccination efforts, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, including fiscal stimulus, uh, rebate checks, and uh, support to businesses. Uh, But uh, a lot of that happened too little, too late to really uh, uh, show up in full force in the first quarter. So as as impressive as 6.5% growth is, uh, we're looking for even faster uh, activity in the uh, current quarter. So I would say uh, Q2 and Q3 of this year uh, will likely be clocking in growth rates closer to 10%. And if we don't get it, then we know we're in trouble. If we don't get it, and uh, certainly there's uh, some signs of concerns, uh, the jobs market lately uh, has been producing fewer job gains than economists anticipated, uh, then that tells us that we're in a more fragile economic rebound, uh, which in some respects, in terms of uh, overall economic output, uh, we're uh, pretty confident that we will have returned to pre-pandemic levels in the current quarter. Uh, As we look at things like the labor market, however, and the concerns are that there could be long-term scarring uh, from the dislocations that happened uh, over the course of 2020, uh, if we see that the labor market is improving on a slower trajectory, then that does talk 
to the uh, issue of uh, kind of long-term consequences uh, that may be difficult to eradicate in the economy. Let's talk about that jobs picture here. You have uh, fewer people filing those first-time claims of unemployment, uh, and yet are we seeing that more people are heading back to work, fewer people overall on unemployment? So the, the fact that the initial claims are down tells us that there's fewer layoffs in the economy. That's not particularly surprising given where we are in the economic cycle. Businesses are hiring, not firing, so there's not a lot of layoffs. Uh, what's more problematic is those who are uh, long-term collectors of unemployment insurance. And on that front, we've seen uh, a much uh, uh, less uh, pronounced uh, decline or improvement. Uh, and that means that uh, a lot of individuals who would maybe be willing to take a job at $15 an hour or less, uh, you know, kind of lower pay, lower benefit type of jobs, are collecting just as much on unemployment as they would be uh, working as a, uh, a waiter or a, a clerk uh, in a store. And so this means that a lot of those businesses are having trouble uh, sourcing the labor to really fully uh, reopen their businesses. Now, some states have ended uh, the uh, the federal supplement that was uh, sweetening the jobless, uh, uh, the weekly jobless benefit uh, check. Uh, and uh, a lot of those measures are expiring over the course of the summer and, and most of them by Labor Day. Uh, so this should uh, kind of entice a lot of those workers to go back in. But there's still other issues like parents that are uh, forced to uh, stay out of the labor force because maybe their kids are doing uh, at-home learning rather than uh, in-school uh, education. And uh, all of these are factors that are, are weighing uh, on this uh, on this rebound. Thanks so much. Good information, Carl Riccadonna, chief U.S. economist at Bloomberg. Just ahead, you might be able to get a job with no experience and not even necessarily any educational training. A shortage of workers is causing some employers to loosen job requirements. We welcome Rick Cobb, executive vice president at Keystone Partners here in Chicago. Uh, Rick, ordinarily, you have employers who are saying, you know, you need five years experience, you need a bachelor's degree, maybe even a master's degree. It seems like that's changing, at least in some sectors. No, it really has. And a lot of the things that were true before are not. Uh, certainly, the, the, the pressure to find people to do the work, though, is, has gone up exponentially in the last uh, in the last few months. And so I can give you an example from my own family. I have a, a, a relative who runs uh, startups, and he told me not too long ago, I probably hired 80 people to code. I couldn't tell you if any of them have a degree. I'm not really looking for that. I need somebody to code now. Can they do the work? Have they, can they demonstrate that ability? If they can, I'm going to hire them. Uh, where they went to school or if they went to school, to me, is immaterial. I think there's a, an important thing for people to think about as they go to the market or as they consider opportunities too, though. And let's say you look at uh, big box retailers, a Kroger or a Home Depot. Your entry point doesn't mean that's the only job you'll ever have. there, And so they're far more likely to bring you on board in those organizations because of the huge demand for people that are customer facing. The wages are competitive more than they were in the past. But that doesn't mean that once you're there, that's the only job you'll ever have. If you if you keep your head up and, and you perform, you'll see other opportunities within the organization. When it comes to um, people, though, I'm thinking young people who feel like, hey, I need a college degree in order to get whatever job I want. This seems to create a conflict. I mean, do they go to school? Do they not? Do they learn a skill as opposed to going to school? Sure. I, it, it's hard. It, it's very subjective. It's going to depend on the circumstances for the person. I can't speak to somebody's personal financial situation or even their 
their interest in school. Yeah, if you look at the data, the demographic data, and say, okay, people who have higher education make more money. Um, but there are plenty of opportunities out there that do not require a college education. Uh, there are plenty of opportunities in the healthcare industry that don't. There's logistics, transportation. Um, there are lots of places out there where you can you can do that work and maybe offset some of the uh, survival costs and then uh, consider education as you as you continue to work. Um, if you're if you're planning on becoming the president of a company someday, you're you know right now unless it's a a tech startup, and you're the you're the boy genius. You're going to have to go to school, and and math skills are the most fungible uh, part of uh, of of talent right now in 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 the market because they're they can go everywhere. Is there a, a chance that this will change? Right, because everything's always in flux in the job market. Maybe they really need workers right now, and so they're willing to uh, ignore or or at least loosen restrictions on education and experience. But a year from now, we might be saying something different. Sure. I, I think it, it, it depends on the role and the function of the organization. So if you have someone that's capable of doing the work and they and they continue to grow along with the organization and they fit the culture. You know, one of the things that we're wrestling with right now, uh, particularly in, in, in the U.S., is company culture is proving to be one of the reasons that younger people and uh, and labor, you know, just the regular old fashioned you know, labor employee, it's why they stay and go. And if, if there's nothing else to to entice you or keep you, then you'll go where somebody else pays more. But if your culture is um, is one that allows people to feel relevant, and it's not soft stuff, it's just you know it's simple things. Um, people will stay because they like the environment and they like the culture. Now back to the education issues. If if I think you're doing a great job for me, and and I want to keep you, and you want to stay. Uh, I'm going to find a way to continue to to develop you. And if companies are not developing their talent, then they're at the mercy of someone who's willing to pay more. If you're developing your talent, you're investing in them actually as people, uh, the chances are that they're going to stay. Now, does that, are, is I'm saying that big business is going to solve everybody's problem in terms of the cost of education? No. But uh, but there's a lot more room now. And, and the, the calculus of health care, child care, uh, commuting, you know, the, you know, what I have to wear. There's a lot of things that are going to keep people from, from taking a job. So it's a tight market now. Yeah, sure is. Thanks. Always good to talk with you. Rick Cobb, Executive Vice President at Keystone Partners. Just ahead, teenagers could be a key for the survival of shopping malls. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Spending by Generation Z. Consumers in their late teens to early 20s is estimated to be $143 billion yearly. That's according to data compiled by the company eMarketer. They could be vital to the future of shopping malls. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus business line to talk about it, Jan Rogers Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide, based in New York. Jan, are teenagers going to save the shopping mall? Well, I don't know if they're going to save the shopping mall, but they're certainly going to help the shopping mall because they've uh, definitely come back faster than we ever thought they would. If you looked at American Eagle, they've had real strength even in-store, not just online from their consumer. Abercrombie and Fitch just told us their numbers were good. We know that Urban Outfitters, both in their urban division and in their free people division, have seen real strength out of teens. So, you know, those are basically mall-based businesses, and they're doing well as the pandemic ends and the kids are coming back. So, yeah, it's going to be a big boost. I, You know, I still say there's 278 
great shopping malls in America. Too bad there's 960 malls. But despite that, yes, the teen is helping out because they are back in the mall. And is it teens like they were for years just sort of hanging out there and doing a little shopping? Or are they going into one particular store? Can we tell that yet? No, teens do not hang out in the mall anymore like you did when you were a kid. What teens are doing now is they're going to the mall, they're buying what they need, and they're leaving. And yes, they go to the ones I just named as well as Foot Locker and other places at the mall. But but functionally, they're shopping more like adults do than hanging out and just visiting like we used to see them in our malls all the time back in the day. So these kids are much more focused on what they're going to buy and when they're going to buy it. I think that's also reflected in their online shopping. And I think it's part of the hanging. The reason that is, is the hanging out they do is not at the mall. It's on their digital device of some sort. Let's talk about a store normally associated with malls, Best Buy. They really seem to be knocking it out of the park. Yeah, Best Buy, you know, they've always been on the pad out there by the mall and not as opposed to in the mall. But they're knocking the ball out of the park because, number one, they're the last man standing in the category, except for online players. They're the guys who you go to if you want to buy electronics. And they also have done such a good job of bringing more stuff into their store that, to be interesting to the customer. They've added in all kinds of shops like you know, the Magnolia Sound Shops. They've added in California Kitchens. They brought in the Microsoft business. They've, they've just built their store into a better store, and they're doing a much better job online. So they are literally winning the game, relatively speaking, in electronics. And electronics is winning the game because everybody that's been working at home just continues to add more and more equipment to make their life better from working from home. We may see that ease off a little bit as people go back to their offices, but so far it's kept up. People have bought light kits. They've bought new monitors. They're buying cables and routers and doubling up their routers sometimes in their houses to be able to handle what they want, no matter where they want to work in their house. So it's been an amazing run for Best Buy. I think it'll continue because I think they're really doing a much better job at what they've always done. But I also think that the consumer is going to continue to want that home office to work, even if they're back in the office, in their real office, two or three days a week. Always good insight from Jan Rogers Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide. Still ahead, Technology Thursday, putting remote employees on a digital leash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Roads and skies will be crowded this weekend as travelers head out of town for Memorial Day weekend gatherings. The price of gasoline is on the rise. We'll check in with an energy industry analyst. President Biden wants to learn more about the origins of the coronavirus. Technology Thursday. Companies looking to monitor at home employees while trying to navigate privacy concerns. WBBM Business, the Dow up 120 points, the NASDAQ is up 25, and the S&P is up 9 points. Oil is up right about a half a percent. We have a mix of sun and clouds with some rain on the way right now, 58 degrees. With many pandemic limitations disappearing, more people will be taken to the roads over the long holiday weekend. WBBM's Rob Hart checks the numbers. The end of COVID-19 restrictions on travel and large gatherings means the return of welcome summer traditions like baseball games and concerts. But it also means the return of bumper-to-bumper traffic during the long Memorial Day holiday weekend. The Illinois Tollway estimates that 7 million vehicles are expected to use the tollway system through Monday. 
AAA says the worst time for Chicago-area drivers to hit the road will be between 2.45 and 4.45 this afternoon. The group also found that the outbound Eisenhower is the worst expressway to use during the holiday weekend. AAA expects 34.4 million people to travel by car through Monday. That's a 50% increase over last year. Rob Hart, News Radio 105.9 FM. China is accusing the Biden administration of playing politics by pushing for a new investigation into the origins of the coronavirus. President Joe Biden has asked intelligence officials to double up efforts to find an answer to the origins, including investigating the possibility that it came from a Chinese laboratory. China's foreign ministry spokesperson said that Biden's order showed the U.S. does not care about facts or truth, nor is it interested in serious scientific origin tracing. China also fired back that the U.S. US should also open itself up to investigations in its own labs, like the military's Fort Dietrich base. I'm Karen Chamas. It's 12.32. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are higher today. The Dow up 117, NASDAQ up 24, and the S&P is up 8 points. Chuck Carlson is joining us, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter. Chuck, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Uh, I, I like these kind of days, Cisco, where you have markets that are kind of moving in a, in a fairly orderly way to the upside. Uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of the three, 400-point moves up and down and crazy moves in the NASDAQ. These sorts of moves that we're seeing today are kind of the types of moves that are sustainable. Uh, I think the Dow is, is giving itself a, a little bit of a birthday present today. It, as you know, it's 125 years celebrating the Dow Jones Industrial Average right now, and uh, the stocks, uh, uh, the index is up nicely, about a, a third of a point or a third of a percent. Um, but it's a nice, solid across-the-board day. I think the market's responding to uh, the fact that uh, the interest rate environment continues to be stabilizing below that March 30 high of uh, over 1.7 in the 10-year bond. And I think some inflation fears are kind of easing a tad, and, and we're seeing some good numbers today. Yeah, when it comes to things such as interest rates and inflation, you know, Wall Street is okay with some changes there, just not drastic changes. That's right. It's, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the trends, the, the, the speed of the trends is really what worries Wall Street. And, and, you know, when you had earlier this year that really significant move higher in interest rates in a fairly short period of time, I mean, you know, and the 10-year went from, you know, basically 1% January 26th to 1.74% March 30th. That's the type of stuff that Wall Street gets nervous about. And that was reflected in the volatility in the market. But really, in the, in the last, you know, almost two months here, we have uh, worked our way off of that high. It's been moving sideways. Now, maybe we're going to get another retest of that 10-year at some point. And the market will probably react accordingly. But, I, uh, you know, I, I think the interest rate scares that really were plaguing the market earlier this year, that seems to be subsiding. And that's a good thing for stocks. Should we continue to see rises in some of those reopening stocks? I'm thinking specifically the travel sector that was hit so hard. But now, I mean, it even seems like cruise lines are getting back to it. Well, there seems to be some light at the end of the tunnel on some of those stocks that especially were hurt. You mentioned the cruise lines, which really haven't had much good of any good news here up until maybe perhaps the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I think there's pockets in that area where you might see strength come in. I, I will say, you know, a number of those stocks have, have done pretty well where they've had pretty good rebounds. So I'm not sure I would be necessarily chasing 
all of the economic reopening plays, especially in the travel area. But some of those areas that were particularly hard hit, um, you will probably see a little bit more improvement there. And that that improvement will probably that are still in the market. What is the Dow theory telling us these days? Yeah, the Dow theory is pretty much unequivocally uh, saying that the market's primary trend is bullish. We've seen continued improvement and and an upward bias in both the Dow Jones Industrial and the Dow Jones Transportation Average. Those moves have been confirmed by decent performance of the S&P 500, which is a nice confirming indicator. Uh, And you're starting to see actually the Russell 2000, which is a nice economically sensitive index, starting to behave a little bit better. It's having a nice day today. So uh, as far as the Dow theory is concerned, it's it's, uh, the primary trend is bullish. Thanks so much, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter. Just ahead, Technology Thursday, keeping an eye on at-home employees. It's Technology Thursday. Companies that want to keep close watch on remote workers risk crossing the privacy line. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, author of the new book, An Executive Guide to the World of Decentralized Finance. Shelley, uh, what are we talking about here? Sort of like a, a digital leash here that employers are putting on employees? You know, this has been going on for a while, Cisco, and it's gotten a lot worse during the pandemic, and it's likely to get worse yet. Um, as you probably know, a lot of people have been on video. Remote workers have been, you know, on Zoom and Teams and all of the other online video meeting tools. Well, of course, each of them has a way to not only monitor every keystroke, but determine how many meetings you were invited to, how many meetings you attended, how you participated and chatted. Um, 100% of those meetings can be recorded, as well as all of the chat can be logged and analyzed by machine learning or AI. So what we were seeing before was cameras in warehouses, you know, surveillance cameras for warehouse workers that were using some pattern recognition, some face recognition to understand what was happening with, you know, workers who are kind of left to their own devices. But now the white collar workers uh, are facing the same kind of surveillance and people are pushing back. It's, it is a digital leash, but it's you know, how far do you go? Is it going to be part of your annual review? You go to HR and they say, well, you were on Zoom a lot, but you didn't really participate. And therefore, you know, we're giving you a demerit or we're not giving you your bonus. Like this is a level of surveillance. No one in a workplace has really ever been subjected to, at least not commonly, right? There are some jobs that have been that way. You know, you work in a factory that makes gold jewelry or something, you get, you know, strip searched on the way in and out. They're, They're very, you know, careful to bond employees that are around cash and stuff all the time. And, you know, people working casinos are used to being literally every hand that they deal being watched. But when you're typing a, you know, PowerPoint for your boss for a presentation, you're not used to that. Yeah. How long did it actually take you to make that? It almost sounds like some of those online college courses where they say, all right, you have to chat. You have to write X number of chat responses. They have to be this long. You, you know, you have to participate in so many ways. And then what, at the end of the, the time you talked about an HR review, what if, if you haven't typed in enough, you get a bad score or something that the AI assigns you? That's exactly what could happen. And I think people I have two issues with it. One, just personal privacy. It's like, come on, folks, how much do you have to, you don't trust me, don't hire me. That's thing one. And thing two, what does that accumulated data ultimately mean? Like, I think the pushback is is pretty fierce because the it's obvious that assembling that much data about anybody doing anything isn't going to be good in the end, right? No matter 
the best intentions. It's not going to be good. So, yeah, we're seeing a lot of it. By the way, the APIs, if you want to understand how crazy this is, just Google some of the APIs for some of the video conferencing tools like Microsoft Teams and just see what endpoints are available. Um, you know, you'd be stunned. How many meetings did you attend? How many did you, were you invited to? How many did you, did you invite others to? How long were you in the meeting? It, it's every possible thing. And you know what gets measured gets managed in our world, right? Absolutely. Scary stuff. Thank you, Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, new book, and executive guide to the world of decentralized finance. Find it on Amazon. That's Technology Thursday, this time tomorrow, Entrepreneur Friday. Still to come, a check of prices at the pump for Memorial Day weekend. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. In contrast to one year ago, there will be a lot of people traveling over the long Memorial Day weekend, many of them traveling by car. We welcome Patrick DeHaan, Senior Petroleum Analyst at GasBuddy.com here in Chicago. Patrick, always good to chat with you. So what's going on with gas prices ahead of this weekend? Well, Cisco, we continue to see prices march higher. As you point out, a year ago, a dollar a gallon less if, if people can remember that, at least, 241 a gallon last year. Now we're at 340. It's the highest price we've paid in Chicago since about 2019. It'll be the priciest Memorial Day, though, since 2014. And we'll have a lot of people on the roads, right, gobbling up that gasoline? Yeah, exactly that. Gasoline demand compared to one year ago is up 43%. That's why prices at the pump have surged so much in the last few months. Things are reopening. Americans are getting out and about. Uh, hey, you can go catch a ball game now. And so many Americans doing just that this Memorial Day after 15 months of various lockdowns. Let's talk about the Colonial Pipeline outage. Uh, any residual effects from that? Or are things pretty much back to normal on the East Coast? Well, they're getting there. Uh, it is taking a lot of time with a truck driver shortage that's idled 10 to 25 percent of the nation's fleet of tanker trucks. It's taking time to replenish those stations. In fact, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia are still looking at over 20 percent of stations without fuel. That's a huge improvement from 50 to 70 percent seen a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so motorists there still may have a headache finding fuel. Prices there are coming back down, though. But, of course, here in Metro Chicago, neither of those things impacted uh, price or supply. So that was the good news for us. Yeah, it was actually one of my one of the things I've been wondering. So we, we don't have any sort of a sense that our prices here were impacted by that? Well, you know, the national average was impacted simply because so many of the states in the southeast saw prices jump anywhere from 15 to 30 cents. So it did impact the national average. But here in Chicagoland, I can't say that was a factor at all. When do we get that summer blend? I don't know. Maybe that's already in effect. When do we get that? Because I know prices usually go up when that goes in. Yeah, that special Chicago reformulated blend is, is required no later than June 1st. But most of us are already filling up with it. And that's why you'll notice in northwest Indiana, if you travel outside of Chicagoland, Price is now a little higher in northwest Indiana than the rest of the state, and that's because northwest Indiana, Chicagoland, even up to Milwaukee, has to use that special Chicago blend of gasoline. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was just stations here in Illinois. They have to do it, too? Well, it's just Chicagoland that has to use that specific reformulated gasoline out to the suburbs as well, all the way up to Milwaukee and all the way to Michigan City, Indiana. That's really the whole area 
the rest of Illinois downstate does not have to use that Chicago blend. They use normal, what you may consider traditional summer gasoline, which is a little less stringent. That's interesting. Yeah, good insight. I didn't know that uh, it was other stations in uh, in other states in Chicagoland, too. Thank you, Patrick DeHaan, Senior Petroleum Analyst at GasBuddy.com. The replay podcast of the Noon Business Hour, always available at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.